Kentucky. And so we ended up selling that business and still having about $165,000 in debt that was basically our personal debt. So, man, I'd love to say that every business was successful, but they weren't. Mm. But the beauty of that business was you, you don't learn any lessons as well as when you're failing and trying to get ahead. And so right. I was able to learn lessons through that time that we were able to apply to the next business and really be wildly successful. So welcome to the Me and for Jobs podcast season two. I'm your host, Adrian, and today we're extremely honored to welcome Garrett Hampton uh, from Schoolhouse Rocked Movie. Uh, he's got his own podcast, um, his own uh, communi community of, um, you know, homeschooling, and we're extremely interested to hear about, you know, what he, what he has to say about his career and how, to, how he got to where he is. So how are you doing, Garrett? Hope you're doing well. Good. Thank you. It's very good to be on with you. Thanks for having me today. No problem. So, um, you know, before diving deeper into what you're doing now, can we like turn the clock back a little bit and maybe talk a little bit about you, how you how you started? I think you said you were um, an entrepreneur from a young age already. Yeah, my wife and I have owned a string of businesses and uh, have really enjoyed doing business together for a long part of our marriage. And right. uh, I think our most successful venture prior to what we're doing now was we owned a high-end high stationery store that we built together, served a very high-end clientele, and then we were able to sell that business. And uh, we, we learned then that we loved working together, but right. her heart was really for family and for being a mom. And so when our first daughter came along, we sold that business and she really concentrated full-time on being a mom for many years. And then in the last seven years, we've been able to work together on this ministry that we do to homeschooling families called Schoolhouse Rocked. Right, right. Wow. It's a quite an unusual journey that you've taken, to say the least. So can I ask about the challenges of being an entrepreneur? So obviously you're a you know serial entrepreneur, and I always think that it's difficult enough to start one business, but you've started a few. So, you know, can you walk us through that? Yeah, actually the the majority of my career has been um, spent a few years at a time in new industries. And um, not only have I been a serial entrepreneur, but I've spent that time doing things that are sometimes wildly disjointed. So yeah. I spent some time working in the mu music industry and built a recording studio and record label. And then my wife and I built that high-end stationary business, which was retail. Right. So two very different businesses. Yeah. We moved from that into real estate marketing um, which was again, very different. Yeah. And then from real estate marketing into the movie industry. Mm -hmm. And there's been kind of a string of things that have tied those things together, which is every industry you work in is really built around solid marketing principles and right. solid business principles. And so from a really young age, I've had a heart for learning how to make great business and build quality in business. And right. part of that has been I love to read business books. Um, right. It's a little harder now because I have two daughters who I want to 
you know, be present for and be dad for. But my wife and I were married for almost 11 years before our first daughter was born. And right. in that time, I literally read um, nearly 200 business books wow. and uh, learned everything I could at that time. And so that that desire to build quality into businesses and build customer loyalty and to yeah. provide real value for customers has carried me through this journey where every few years I'm trying to figure out a new industry. Wow. Um, I can't imagine what, it's, what it is like to you know be involved in completely different uh, businesses because I guess you have to build an audience from the scratch, right? Yes, and that's always the hardest thing. Um, right. You know, as I said, even completely different businesses are really about one or two four core fundamental things, which right. is providing value for your market, um, knowing who your customer is and building quality that will last, right? So, yeah. so those things are all related, but the really hard part is every time you dive into a new venture, you essentially have to start from scratch and build a new audience or a new, a new um, market segment or a new um, you know, brand of followers or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And uh, we especially saw that over the last seven years, um, when we left California to to film this movie that we did, yeah. um, we started from scratch in not just a new industry, but in really a new venture, which was fundraising to fund an independent film, which means you have to raise quite a bit of money. And mm -hmm. we had no experience doing that. And so once again, we were really thrust into having to build um, a pretty active and engaged market as right. quickly as we could. And we were able to do that. Um, ironically, uh, it ended up taking us five years to fund our documentary and get it released. And in that five years, the reason it took so long was because it took a long time to build that market to be able to raise the money. But right. the beauty was we saw God use that timing really well yeah. because we expected to release the movie in 2019 and we hadn't yet raised the funds to do that. Well, then in 2020, COVID came yeah. and it completely changed education. Right. And we looked and we were almost done with the movie and we actually had to recut the movie a little bit. Right. But we said, oh, what a great time. God, your timing is better than ours because you knew there would be this huge new audience of people who yeah. were desiring that movie. So right. it, it was his time to uh, provide and we were able to release the movie um, at the end of 2020, or actually, I'm sorry, the end of 2021, with literally millions of new homeschoolers in the market looking for tools and resources. Wow, like you, and nothing can beat God's timing, right? No. It's in wonderful ways that we can't, you know, envisage. Um, you know, I, I'm also very interested, uh, really into business books myself. Mm -hmm. I um I always hear a lot of people saying that you've got to know the industry inside out before you start a business in that particular industry. But in your case, you didn't really follow this sort this so-called golden rule, right? Because right. you know when you changed businesses, I guess you had to do research, you know, from the start. So can you tell us, you know, how you managed to make all your businesses successful? Yeah, and and I'd love to say too that they were all successful, but they're not. Yeah. Uh, right. we, we had a spectacular business failure right. and, 
you know, I look back now and one of the things about that failure, we built a Sorry, recording studio. business was that? That was our, our recording studio and record label. So that's and your first business. First business with my wife. Yes. Right. And, right. uh, it, it was, you know, we were able to stay busy for a few years yeah. And we were able to make a lot of product. We made some really good records that still to endure to this day, but the whole time we were losing money. And so we ended up selling that business and still having about $165,000 in debt that was basically our personal debt. So, man, I'd love to say that every business was successful, but they weren't. Mm. But the beauty of that business was you, you don't learn any lessons as well as when you're failing and trying to get ahead. And so right. I was able to learn lessons through that time that we were able to apply to the next business and really be wildly successful. So the, the one thing I'd love to say though, is that every successful business, again, shares just a few core fundamental principles. Right. And the first is that you have to know your audience very, very well, know your market, yeah know your customer. And yeah. then, um, you know, there's two ways to do a successful business. You right. can serve your customer really well by providing them excellent quality, yeah. a premium product, yeah. or you can try to undercut your, your competition, right? right. And, and sell based on price. Mm. I've never been in that business and I don't ever want to be in that business. Honestly, it bothers my integrity to try and just do something for the lowest price. Yeah. I would much rather provide extremely high quality for my, for my consumers mm -hmm. and have them be really, really satisfied in return later for more. So right. that's the one thing that no matter what business I was entering into, I wanted to look at who was doing it the very, very best mm. and then at least replicate their quality, if not beat their quality. So when we went into the high-end retail stationary market, right. we sold the best product lines. Yeah. We made beautiful custom products and yeah. we poured into our brides. So we were selling a lot of high-end um, bridal packages, um, right. wedding invitations and things. And we would literally sit with our brides and their moms for hours at a table and get to know them, get yeah. to know their needs and then deliver exactly what they needed. And yeah. when you're able to do that with your customers, it's almost inevitable that you will build a quality business. Then it just boils down to the mechanics of business. Can you work profitably? Can you market effectively? Can yeah. you do it to where you can reproduce it and continue to grow and make money? And so with that business, we were able to do that. And we sold that business and it went on for many years after. Wow, wow. I'm just really curious about, you know, what got you into high-end stationery because that's a really specific niche that you found yourself there, um, especially what you've been through before. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you, what, what the transition period was. How yeah, you, you know, it's funny you ask that because that's another God's timing story. Right. We had had this radical failure with the record label and studio. Yeah. And yet um, I felt like I was purpose built for working in the recording studio. I had gifts that I wanted to exercise in the studio. Yeah. And so as soon as we sold our studio, we started looking for funding to open another studio. Right. And as we were doing that, I was kind of working full time on just trying to get another studio open. But yeah. my wife went to work at Hyatt Hotels as an executive assistant 
right. just to pay some bills at the time. Right. And uh, she, in her position, one of her responsibilities was to promote their dinners, like high-end wine pairing dinners okay. and things like that. So she built a relationship with the stationery store down the street right. and learned the craft from this lady. For me, I was looking at it going, okay, it's stationary, it's invitations. Yep. I'm not interested personally in the craft, mm -hmm. but what I saw was a really, really great market. Mm -hmm. And we were in an area that was um, kind of an upper middle class or upper, upper scale um, area. People had money. They yeah. didn't mind spending it on luxury items. Yeah. And I saw the opportunity to really build quality and really serve customers well and explore these ideas that I've been learning in books about marketing a high-end product right. and also about, about providing service and quality that was just next level. And right. so I was more entranced by the idea of the business than I was the product. Mm -hmm. um, so my wife and I, we actually purchased a, a business that was closing Right. Uh, revitalized it and then built it up over the next several years until our first daughter came. Wow. Wow. That's some story that you just. Yes. Um, so, you know, in this podcast, we really want to talk about, you know, the meaning um, of work, you know, be, be, besides, you know, a paycheck. So, you know, right. as an entrepreneur, obviously you, you need profit to stay afloat. But what would you say is also really important to have, you know, real meaning um, in life as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Um, I will tell you that over my career, um, my direction in that area has changed. Right. I think early on, I took a lot of pride just in the, uh, the ability to build something successful mm -hmm. and, and see it come to fruition and be profitable and grow. And to me, those were really satisfying things. Yep. I think about the time that our daughter came along and we were selling that um, stationary store. Right. Um, my priorities were shifting. I think part of that was just being a dad. At mm -hmm. the same time, I had gone through a period where I was um, really, really serious about reading the Bible yeah. and growing spiritually as a Christian. Yeah. And I, I read a book that actually changed my life, and I'll recommend it to your audience. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not a business book. It's a book that literally changed the way I think about everything. And it was called Cat and Dog Theology. Dumb title for a really great book, Cat and Dog Theology by Bob Shogren. Mm. And the, the essence of this book, the point of this book that was that everything we do on this earth, everything we do is all for God's glory. Mm. And to me, that was something I never considered. It wasn't about my success. It wasn't about what I wanted to do or my desires. Yeah. What was I doing right now to glorify God? And so my perspective changed and I started to look at how I was serving customers, yeah. how I was building businesses and whether or not that was ultimately glorifying God. Mm -hmm. And so I spent then a period of, I don't know, 10 years probably just still working in business, yeah. but with that different focus until ultimately in 2016, God uh, really forcibly moved us out of what we were doing in business Right. and put us into a position of ministry where mm -hmm. now the business principles still mattered because you can't do ministry if you're always running a deficit or if you're right. you know always chasing debt or whatever 
You have to still operate profitably. In fact, in biblical principles, that's called being a good steward, right? right. We understand we're managing resources that aren't ours. Yep. And so God took that perspective for me and all that experience in business. And he said, okay, now I'm going to allow you to use those resources to serve me specifically. And so in 2016, my family sold our house, sold everything in our house. And we packed up my wife and I and our two daughters into a 29 foot travel trailer. And right. we left our home and mm -hmm. traveled the country to film this documentary schoolhouse rocked. Right. And through that time, God used our, used our work and our efforts to build this ministry and to serve him and serve mm -hmm. families. So, um, you know, so over time, my perspective about that has changed, but now ultimately my perspective about business, about life, about ministry is this one work to build eternal value, not yeah. just, not just temporary value, not just, um, you know, monetary value work to build eternal value pour into other people and build them up and do it all for God's glory. So yeah. that's how, that's how I try to work. And unfortunately I'm still not perfect at it, right? I'm always learning, but that's my ultimate goal. So for those of um, our listeners who are not Christians, can you explain a little bit about what you mean by glorifying God and what you mean by eternal value? Sure. Yeah. Um, let's work at glorifying God first. Mm. Um, at, even for non-Christians, um, I believe everybody has an innate understanding that they didn't make themselves, mm -hmm. right? We didn't come from nothing. And uh, ultimately, if you look at a watch or you look at a painting or you look at a house, you understand that all those things have a creator. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that understanding that there is a creator also insists that we are subservient to the creator in some way. We owe him something, right? If he made us and he allows us to live, we ultimately owe him something, right? Yep. And, and so we're very blessed in that he's given us a book where he talks about himself and he yep. explains who he is. Yep. And he also explains who we are in relationship to him. Mm -hmm. And one of the principles that he lays down is that he, as the creator, as the sovereign God is worthy of glory, right? So if I understand that, what I have to do as a man is to work to understand him better and then work to mold my life and my actions to where what I'm doing serves him best, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so very basically, I'll break that down for people who have no idea who God is. Right. The Bible tells us God is love, mm -hmm. right? And to serve a loving God well, one of the things we can do best is love our fellow man, love people and serve them well. And when we do that, that brings God glory. So now day to day, we're serving a very specific portion of the community. We're right. serving parents who want to train their children in their values, right? Yeah. And so every day, what I can do to glorify God is to do my very best to love these parents and to provide them with the things they knew to need to do their job well, to bring mm -hmm. up their kids to the glory of God as well. Right. 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 So, so I, I don't mean to get too into the weeds, but the way we serve God for his glory is by knowing him mm -hmm. and then working every day to do things that bring him glory because he deserves it as mm -hmm. our creator 
And I understand as a Christian, he also re- deserves it as my redeemer, the mm-hmm. one who purchases me and saves me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hope that makes sense, but um, that's serving mm-hmm. God for his glory. And then what was the other, the other half of that oh, question? Um, e- eternal value. Oh, eternal value. Okay. Yeah. I think this is equally important. Um, the truth is once we understand that there is an eternal God, that he is a creator um, who made everything, we also understand that his creation has a purpose and his creation doesn't end when we die, right? It goes on. And so um, I think that it's a very immature view of business and life to say, what can I do right now to maximize my value, maximize my pleasure, maximize my income so that I can have the most fun and, you know, get the most stuff before I die, right? Even as, even as people who don't know God and don't work for his glory, usually we want to build a legacy, build something that lasts, right? Well, in my case, I want to build a legacy, not for myself, but I want to build a legacy that once I'm gone, my work continues to eternally glorify God. Mm-hmm. So specifically how we're doing that now is we're taking parents who are just now figuring out, okay, I have a responsibility to my kids. I'm, I'm yeah. responsible to steward their hearts and their minds and train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we're providing them with, with real resources and real uh, encouragement day to day that will help them do that better. So when we die, our work is carried on through those families and through their kids and hopefully through their grandkids so that we're building generations who will work to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So that's just one specific way. And I want to see that work go on literally eternally. Mm -hmm. Secondarily, as a Christian, I know that um, my work here um, is only so good, right? Um, I understand principally that I am a flawed man and I can only do so much here, but I understand that how I serve Christ ultimately will result in my eternity with him where I get to sit at his feet and bring him glory. So it's important for me to do my work on earth, to grow his kingdom and bring him eternal glory through others, through the fruit of my work, but also in my own life so that I can eternally sit at his feet and give him glory myself. Wow, that's some, you know, powerful, um, you know, statements that you just made there. And I think it's quite counterintuitive to a lot of, you know, non-Christians or even Christians, you know, to not just, to not focus on yourself, basically, sure. but focus on others, um, whilst, you know, reaping the fruits, you know, of your, of the help um, that you contributed to society. So um, what's your advice, you know, to people who might want to start a business or might be struggling in their careers? Um, You know, how should they make their decisions ahead? Well, I'm going to give you my, uh, I'm going to start because we're on spiritual things. Yeah. I'm going to give you my short spiritual answer. And then I'll expand on that practically. Okay. Right. The short spiritual answer comes from Proverbs 19.23. And it says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Mm -hmm. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Okay. At the core of our lives, we want to rest easy, not worried about the trouble that's coming. And we want our lives to be fruitful. 
And the Bible tells us that the start of that, the very beginning, is learning the fear of the Lord. Now, I yep. want to clarify for people, the fear of the Lord does not mean you're terrified of someone who's coming after you. Right. It means you know the one who is sovereign and in charge, and you understand who he is and what he's worth. That's the beginning of that, okay? Practically, what that means is that day-to-day, First of all, you're not afraid to do the hard things and sometimes the terrifying things. But in everything you do, you sit down, you stop and you consider, is this what the Lord would have me do? And you seek him. Um, As Christians, we understand we seek God through prayer and we trust him for guidance. And so that's what that looks like practically. Now, practically, we also have to be fruitful in our work. We have to yield uh, yield a, a, a growth, right? We have to be profitable. Yeah. And so I would tell you the one way to do that, the very best way is value educational growth mm-hmm. first and foremost. No matter what situation you're in, look at the lessons you can be learning today that you can apply tomorrow. A lot of times that's going to come directly through the people you're, you're knowing at work, your network, who yeah. you can learn from directly. But at the same time, don't be afraid to come home and seek answers in books. And, you know, honestly, now we live in an age where YouTube can provide really, really, really valuable um, information. Mm -hmm. Grow day by day so that the next day when you go back to work, you're that much better at tackling the problems that are before you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you'd like, I know time is running uh, short on the show. Um, but if you'd like, I'd love to recommend a few books that have been really powerful for me in this. Sure. Okay. So, um, and by the way, cause uh, we've got a few minutes left. If you, if you want sure. to maybe talk a little bit about your online school community as well, you know, feel free to talk about the work you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, the, the thing that I did early on to grow the most, and I think this has been really powerful is that I was an avid reader and, yeah. So I want to recommend a few books. The first one that everybody should read, no matter what field you work in, is called The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And that book is so important because it takes your thinking from thinking about survival day-to-day and profitability to thinking about systems. And every business can be systematized. So it's a critical book. Um, A few others, I think that the most important marketing book you could ever read is actually a compendium. It's called Scientific Advertising and My Life in Advertising by Claude Hopkins. And it's over a hundred years old. It's just full of pure gold when it comes to marketing. Mm -hmm. And the reason I suggest that next is because aside from doing great business and providing great quality and over and over being able to reproduce what you do, the next most important thing is being able to market in a way that your customers understand the value they'll get. So that book is just critical. Um, uh, I'll just recommend maybe one more. I think one that's quick and easy for people who want to take like bite-sized chunks. It's called Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. It's by Harvey McKay. And I love this book because it's, real short principles that are really powerful, but you can digest it a little bit at a time. Um, And then that other book that I want to recommend is Cat and Dog Theology. Again, it will change your perspective on everything 
which will affect how you do business. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my recommendations for practically diving in. Yeah. And then you asked about kind of what we were doing now to serve, mm -hmm. um, serve our families. Now, um, my wife and I get to work together every day, which is a huge blessing. Mm -hmm. um, currently, what floats our boat day to day is we pr uh, produce two podcasts, right. both of them hosted by my wife. The first one is called the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast, mm -hmm. and it airs Monday, Wednesday and Thursday. Um, and we're on, I think, like episode 630 wow. of that show. Wow. It's It's been hugely powerful. Um, I I honestly want to say it's probably the, my favorite thing that I've ever done in business. And the reason is because we found podcast, podcasting is a great media to interact so intimately with your audience. And yeah. we get direct feedback and we see the fruit of that every day. We see how God uses that to build people up. So the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast and then the Homeschool Insights podcast is actually a daily show, which we do five days a week. Um, we're in our second season on that one. And we, we've released, I think, 350 episodes right in that neighborhood. Right. So we've got like and, a thousand episodes already, com like both combined. Right. Yeah. And uh, which is amazing when you think about it. I used to tell people getting to your first hundred episodes in a podcast was a huge milestone, which it really is. And now we're looking at over a thousand that we've, we've wow. gotten posted. So right. um, it's incredible. Um, I will say to business owners, if you're considering business, do a podcast, even if no one listens to it, because it's a great way to consolidate and synthesize all your ideas mm -hmm. and make you have to sit down and think about what you're doing. Um, I personally love podcasting and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I dig into it every day. Wow. Well, it's it's been, you know, a really inspirational um, episode and interview with you, I think. And I wish we could have, you know, a longer uh, time to speak more on different topics. But, you know, um, hope to have you on the podcast um, in the future again. And, uh, you know, wish you all the best. Thank you. It'd be my pleasure. Adrian, I really appreciate it. Thank you.